0: I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. And is found. Amen. At the very beginning of Luke chapter 15, we read this Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, to Jesus that is, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Today is Father's Day, and um, well, congratulations to all you fathers. Um, but I thought it would take the opportunity uh, to not speak so much about you and I as earthly fathers, although there is much that could be said, and there's much that we can learn from this parable, but I wanted to talk to you this morning about our Heavenly Father and about his love to us and seen to us in this wonderful parable that really is uh, one of the great stories of Scripture, but also one of the great illustrations of the gospel, if you could summarize it, this is one of the best illustrations of what the, the whole Bible is all about. This is the whole thing. And in this story today, I want to look at this with you about the Father seeking his lost son's plural plural. not simply one lost son, but there's two lost sons in this story. Jesus here is, as you just saw, Uh, being grumbled at by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They're grumbling because Jesus, this man, receives. He welcomes sinners, real sinners, not fake sinners, because so much of the time you and I will talk about, oh, yes, we're all sinners, but whenever it comes to specific sins, you will deny every single one of them. If you're confronted with the fact that maybe you're impatient or maybe you're uh, covetous or maybe you slipped a lie there, You'll all say, no, 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 I didn't do that, but we're all sinners. But Jesus came to save not fake sinners, not phony sinners, real sinners he came to save. Real sinners with real problems, with real transgressions. That's who Jesus came to save. And the Pharisees and the scribes are upset about this. And it's in response to this that Jesus gives these parables. He's already given the parable of the lost sheep. You know the story. A man has lost, he has a hundred sheep, but he loses one, and he goes and finds it and rejoices because he's found the one. And also the parable of the lost coin, where um, she has ten coins, but she loses one. She looks and finds it and rejoices because she found the one, even though the nine hadn't gone away. And similarly here in this parable, Jesus is illustrating The love of God for sinners when even one comes back into the fold. The father, first of all, seeks his lost sons. And the first thing I want to look at here with you today is the father seeks you and me when you are lost in sin. This is in verses 12 through 24. We open up with the parable in verse 11, though. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them comes to his father and says, father... Give me the sheriff property that is coming to me. Now, we need to understand what he's asking here. First of all, this was a very inappropriate thing to ask. Because when do you get the inheritance? When your father's dead. You don't get it beforehand. You get it when your dad's dead. The son here has the audacity to come to his uh, father and say, Hey, dad, let's pretend you're dead now and give me my cut right now. Give me what's coming to me now, because quite honestly, I don't have time to waste anymore waiting for you to die. Give me what what is mine and I'll go. What a very ungrateful son this boy is. Uh, Quite rebellious, quite arrogant, quite selfish, quite only thinking about what what he wants, and not about the father or the family. This is a very dishonorable thing to do. The father doesn't have to give him the inheritance. He doesn't have to hand it over to him at this time. But for some reason, the father divides the property between them and hands it over to this arrogant young man. In verse 13, then not many days later, the younger son takes all of his stuff, packs it all up, and then runs away. He goes into a far country. He wants to get away from dad. He wants to get away from him, and he wants to live it up. It's time to uh, spend all of the money on all of the pleasures that he thinks this world has to offer. So he goes away, takes a journey into a far country away from his father. He runs away from him, and there we are told he squanders it all. He wastes it all. He gambles it all away. He throws all the money away into reckless living. He's a fool. He's a fool. He, he takes all of this stuff that the Father, the gift of the Father, the things the Father has freely given to him, and he takes the things the Father gave to him and just wastes it all. What a fool. And then, whenever he spent everything... A severe famine arises in the country, and he's now in need. So he's wasted all of his money on foolish things, sinful things, dirty things, and now he doesn't have any cash, and now there's a famine, and he needs help. You might look at this and say, well, he's reaped what he's sown, and that's true. He has. He's spent everything... And so what he does, we're told in verse 15, he goes out and he hires himself out to be one to one of the citizens of that country who sends him into the field to feed pigs. Now, I have raised pigs before as a kid. Um, I love pork, but in the ancient world, particularly with Jews, you might know this, pigs were regarded as disgusting In fact, in Isaiah, whenever you read about what it means to be a pagan, they classify eating pork with eating mice. That's how disgusting they viewed pigs. And you think about pigs, right? Pigs were were regarded as good by pagans because they could eat all of the leftover stuff that none of the other animals would eat, and it can be turned into meat. Um, So they they loved pigs. But the, the Israelites, the Jews, to them, the pig was a disgusting animal. It was the vilest of creatures and no one would have touched a pig no one would have wanted to eat pork um, none of that and yet look what this young man finds himself doing he's feeding pigs throwing out the slop to them every day so he's doing the lowliest of servant jobs and then while he's there He still doesn't have any food and he's looking at the pig food and he's saying, I wish I could eat some of that. That's how low this boy has gone. He's gone from being a son to squandering everything the father has given him, throwing it all away on sin and iniquity, and he's hired himself to be a servant to feed pigs and now he's saying the pigs have it better than I do. And no one gave him anything. Well, in light of all of this, he comes to himself and he realizes, um, I need to change some stuff up here. And he says to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? In other words, it's better to be a slave at my father's house than to be where I'm at right now. They've got more than enough bread, a super abundant amount of bread. And I, don't even, I can't even eat these pods from the pigs But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him this, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Notice that by the way, against heaven. i sinned against God and I've sinned before you. I am no longer worthy. I don't deserve. I am not owed. I have forfeited my right to be called your son. Treat me, regard me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. So here's a, a young man who's wasted everything. He's rebellious, unruly, unscrupulous, uncontrollable, just lived a life of iniquity and sin. And he's saying, you know what? It's better to go back to dad and at least be a slave there because at least as a slave, I have something to eat. But this is where the story gets really good. Because the Father seeks you and me when we are lost in our sin. Have you ever been in this spot before? Where you, are, you, you thought that this thing would satisfy you, but it doesn't. Where you did this or that thing and you thought it would help you or bring satisfaction to you or joy to you. And it doesn't. And you find yourself realizing that you're eating pig pods. You decide, I'm going to go back to dad and I'm going to uh, come back because that's the best thing to do. But whenever you come back to God after you sinned, um, there's often this feeling of shame, embarrassment. Has anybody been here? You know, you've seen something you shouldn't have seen. You said something you shouldn't have said. You thought something you shouldn't have thought. You didn't do something that you should have done. You don't love that person or this person or God the way you should love this person or that person or God. And you feel embarrassed and shamed and you wonder, you know you should go back to God, but you're like, it's going to be hard. And I do not know if God will take me back again. It's going to be hard and... He's probably going to take me back and uh, maybe let me be treated like a slave. But that's not what the Father does here. Our attention is turned then in verse 20 to the Father. But while he was still a long way off, his Father saw him. First of all, the Father seeks you when you are lost in your sin And the first of all, the way he does that is because the Father's eyes see you. The Father's eyes see you today. He's seen you. Every single thing you did this morning that was wrong, everything you did this week that was wrong, he sees inside your mind perfectly. He sees inside your heart perfectly. He sees that you did that right thing for a really wrong reason, He sees the fact that you're lazy or disobedient or ruthless or that you do this or that right thing only because it's the socially acceptable thing to do. He sees it all. He sees into your heart better than you do. But he doesn't simply see you as a judge. He sees you as a father who loves you. He sees you in your difficulties, in your trials, in your sin. It reminds me of the story of Hagar. You remember that prodigal girl who finds herself in Genesis caught up in a messy situation where she's pregnant with Abraham's child. She has to run away because she's scared and it's a very difficult situation with her and Sarah. And uh, the Lord finds her and she says to him, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly I here, I have seen him who looks after me. You have a father who sees you today, who looks after you, who sees you while you're a long way off, and he sees you before you even want to come back. He sees you before you even have the desire to come back to him. He sees you before the time that you're embarrassed to come back. He's looking at you, and he's seeing you, and he wants you to return into his arms. But not only do his eyes see you, but secondly, his father, the father's heart loves you in your sin. What is his first reaction? It says, the father saw him, and then he what? Felt compassion. It's very interesting, the gut reaction of the father Whenever he sees his disobedient, rebellious, wasteful, iniquitous, dirty son coming back with all of his rags, with all of his stench, with all of, you know, the you know all of the, the, the signs of iniquity all over him, the first thing the father feels, the gut reaction he has is compassion, pity, love, desiring for him to be with him again. The Father, whenever he sees you and he sees you in your sin, his reaction is not anger. His reaction is not hardening or just saying, "You know what? He made his decision, let him go. He doesn't close himself off from his son rather he reaches out to his son. And he's moved to compassion and love. The Father wants to help you today to save you, to redeem you, to cleanse you, to make His Son whole again. If only I can get Him back into my arms. The Father loves you. Thirdly, look what the Father does then. He sees you when you're lost in your sin. He loves you with His heart when you're lost in your sin, and His feet run to you when you're lost in your sin. He. Uh, as an old man, or uh, he, he picks up uh, his, uh, his uh, gown and, and runs, hightails it straight to his son. His sinful son is probably walking, probably nervous, probably ashamed, probably embarrassed. And whenever you're like that, you're probably not running to see dad, right? You're probably not running to show back up at dad's doorsteps in your rags, smelling like pigs, um, with nothing in your pocket and all you've got is a bunch of uh, stories about all the bad things you've done. You're probably not looking forward to seeing dad again. But you know what, dad is looking forward to seeing you. And he runs, he rushes, he speeds to his child. The gap is closed by the father seeking you. Matthew Henry says this, the prodigal son came slowly under a burden of shame and fear, but the tender father ran to meet him with his encouragements. The father runs to those who have run away from him. The father doesn't stand back and say, he's gonna to come to me, I'm gonna make him come right here and grovel and apologize, and then maybe, just maybe, I'll let him be my hired servant. And then maybe he can become a really, 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 really low son until I can learn to trust him Nope, he doesn't say he's gonna crawl back here and apologize and earn it back. The father runs to him. Full of compassion. Fourthly, notice what the father's arms do. His feet run to us but his arms embrace. In verse 20, he ran and embraced him. It really has the idea of falling upon his neck. This uh, reminds me of Joseph. You remember the story when Joseph unveils himself to his brothers. And uh, you remember they've done him wrong and he reveals himself to them. And it says in Genesis 45 verse 14, Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And here... The father seizes his son, runs to him, grabs him, falls on his neck, weeps over his son, and probably, I would say, weeps for a good while. That's the heart of your God, the heart of the father for you today. He runs to you today. He grabs you today. In the midst of all of your sin and all the stuff that you yourself know what you've done, he says, I love you anyway and I will forgive you of all of your sins. And then lastly, we see the last thing he does. He kisses him. Did you ever uh, do anything wrong, and you knew that whenever you got home or when your dad got home, you're gonna get a big lecture from your dad, right? Sometimes we need that. Um, And maybe this son was thinking, boy, am I gonna get it. Whenever I show back up at home, I'm gonna get the riot act read to me. And I deserve it, and he did deserve it, didn't he? He was uh, maybe gonna hear about, listen, do you realize how you've shamed not only me but your whole family? Do you realize that you've made your older brother pick up the load where you've left off? Do you realize you took your inheritance, my inheritance that I gave you of my own goodwill, and you just threw it away how can I ever trust you again why would I ever do that to why, why would you ever do that how can I ever let you live here again no you have to leave why can't you be like your older brother how can I ever trust you but that's not what the father says does he it's fascinating the father doesn't say anything but he just comes up and he kisses his son Now, what this kiss is, is a sign of acceptance. In the Bible, um, you know, we uh, see kisses that happened in Scripture, and they're signs of, I'm welcoming you, I accept you. Um, You are reconciled to me. Absalom, you remember the story with David and Absalom, right? David was the father, Absalom was his son, and Absalom had gone off and done some uh, bad stuff, and he comes back, and what happens, though, is there's a time in, I believe, 2 Samuel chapter 14 where, Samuel, or where where Absalom is brought before David, and David comes and kisses him, and the sign is he's accepted back as a son. Despite whatever he's done, he's accepted back. And here, the father kisses his son and says automatically. Notice, the son hasn't even apologized yet. The son hasn't even said, I'm sorry. The son hasn't even listed all the things he did wrong or how he's gonna make it up to dad before the father comes and just kisses him. You see, the father does want us to acknowledge our sins to him. He does want us to confess them to him, but that's not ultimately what he wants. He wants you and me. He wants us in his arms. And this kiss says, I love you. And all is forgiven. Welcome home, my child. Before the son can get his rehearsed confession out of his mouth, the father is already telling the servants, right? The son comes out and says, "Uh, Dad, listen, I got something I got to say to you. And he starts saying it, and it's fascinating. He's not able to finish it. It's almost like the father just cuts him off and says, yeah, 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 bring the best robe, come on. The father, you see again, is not so concerned about how sorry you are with the fact that you're back. And the father goes and tells the servants, look at his filthy clothes, he smells like pigs. Look, you've been living in this. Bring out the best robe, my robe maybe even, and give it to him, quickly, put it on him. He needs a ring. Look, he doesn't have a ring to show he's my son. Put it on his hand. Look at those feet. They're broken and bloodied and stinky. Get him some shoes. Put it on him. He's not a slave, you know. He's my son. And you, go get the fattened calf and kill it. We've been saving it for just an occasion like this. You see, this boy, my boy, my boy right here, he was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. I've got my son back. Let the celebration begin. And so the servants go and get everything ready. The party begins, the music is playing, and everyone is joyfully dancing. And friends, before we go on to the second Son, I want you to remember this is your father. Every single time you're thinking, I bet God's ticked off at me. I bet God's angry with me. I I know I've sinned and you have sinned and you don't deserve grace. That's true. But he runs to you, welcomes you, kisses you. Spurgeon has this wonderful sermon where he talks about the fact that the father repeatedly kisses his son. And he has this beautiful sermon where he talks about how each of those kisses signify the assurance that this kiss is for your forgiveness. This kiss reminds you that you're home. This kiss reminds you that it's you know on and on and on. And you can imagine the father sitting there as the prodigals come in, he's sitting at the table then, and the father just comes back and says, you know I've gotta give you another kiss. I'm so glad you're back. You're home, you're home. That's what your father wants. That's the heart of your father. Come home, ye who are weary, come home. The party's ready. Well, the music has started, there's joyful dancing, and then who starts showing up in verse 25? But the other son. You see, the father seeks you and me when we are lost in our sins. But here we're going to see in verses 25 through 32, the Father also seeks you and me when we are lost in our service, when we are lost in our self-righteousness. The son has been out in the field, the older son, and you can imagine, he's been working hard Perhaps, like we've talked about, his workload has increased because his younger brother hightailed it out and abandoned the family, shamed the family, and uh, was being lazy. So now his workload has increased, and he's trying to keep everything afloat for dad and to take care of the family. He never left. He was faithful. In fact, he would say he never even thought about abandoning his father like his brother did. As we will see in a minute, it seems the older brother has heard reports about his brother. You see, it wasn't enough for his brother to simply abandon him and his father. His brother had to take the inheritance and waste it, as we will see, on prostitutes. That's typical of him, the elder brother says. So typical of him. He's never cared about the father like I do. And so the older brother, with sweat on his face and calloused hands, he comes in from the field, and as he draws near to the house he begins to hear something, music, dancing, joy. That's odd, what's, what's going on there? You know, I don't, we don't know this, but maybe he's thinking, Dad's throwing me a party. What in the world's going on there? And so he comes up to one of the servants, he calls him over and says, hey, what in the world is going on at home? Well, the servant says, oh, you didn't know. You haven't heard your brother's here. He's back. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. It's a celebration. Well, his first reaction to this shows his heart. Because it shows here, the, 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 it wasn't simply the the son who sinned and who went away that was lost. It was actually the son who had stayed at home who was also lost. His heart was not right either. Look at his initial response in verse 28. But he was angry. He's angry, he's furious, he's in a rage. He's thinking to himself what? you've got to be kidding me he's throwing a party for that disobedient boy and he is not going to go to the party i will not go well in some ways you can understand his anger his father comes out to him and we'll talk about the father's response to him but look at his heart which is revealed in his statement to his father in verse 29. Look, look here, look here. Notice, first of all, real quick, the, fa- the son who sinned and who came back, he still calls his father, father. He respects his father, even though he's sinned and he's coming back. He still says, father, I've sinned against you. Here, the older son who looks like he's been faithful the whole time does not address the father with, with tenderness or kindness. He just says, look here. He's angry. He's angry. Look here, these many years I have served you, I've slaved like a dog for you. I've done every single thing you asked. I have never, ever disobeyed your command. When my brother, some brother left, who stayed here, who worked all these hours? Who labored in the field? Who did everything that you've ever asked? And yet, you never even gave me a goat. To celebrate with my friends, where's my goat? Is there any reward for what I've done, Dad? And yet, whenever this son of yours, some son comes, this son who's devoured up your property with prostitutes, he comes and you kill the fattened calf for him? Now, if we're honest, there's a real sense in which you agree with the older son. There's a real sense in which you agree with him because there's a real sense in which you and I, especially as people who are within the church, actually struggle more so with being the older son than with being the prodigal. You see, the older son is church people like you and me. Church people. You see, the older son doesn't like to talk about sin. He doesn't think he has any. He's been a good boy. He stayed at home. He's worked for Dad. He hasn't gone away. We don't need to talk about sin, except for the prodigal. Yeah, he needs to talk about sin. But once you're in, we don't talk about sin anymore. I don't struggle anymore. What are you talking about? My life is great. I always obey the Father. The reality is, is that for the Pharisees, and for you and me, our temptation, friends, as church people, as church members, is going to tend at times if we're not careful to have the heart of the older brother. And whenever people, when real sinners come in, not people who have just oh, said a bad word here or there, or people who have you know, um, been a little angry here or there, who have done a little, little tiddly sins that you think are you know, small, they come in, those are good people. But what about you and I whenever real sinners come in? Are we like the older brother? Say, you know what? They need to to do some penance. How can we trust them? The reality is, is, you and I will realize this. The heart of the older brother is actually not that much different from the heart of the younger brother. They have the same heart. It's just they show it in different ways. Where is the party for the obedient son? And where is the punishment for being disobedient? In other words, as Chad Bird writes, Chad Bird is a guy that's going to be speaking at our men's conference in, in March coming up. He has a, an article he wrote, um, which is uh, basically as if the older son writes a letter to a newspaper. And he signs it Jonah. Um, and he's saying, you know... Uh, you know what this boy needs is not a loving, compassionate father; he needs a judge. He needs somebody to go and and uh, give him some discipline look at the look at this son. The first thing I want you to notice about his anger is who 's he really angry at he 's really ultimately not angry at the, at his brother he 's angry at the father he 's angry at his dad. And notice that he thinks he's being faithful and obedient to the father. He thinks, he thinks that he loves the father more than the younger son does. But then he says this, you never gave me a young goat. You fattened the calf for him. He's angry with the father. The older son was not as faithful as what he thought he was. And the reality is, is it is very, very doable to have The heart, um, the same heart that would do what the younger son did, which is be a prodigal, go away, live it up in big external sins, it's possible to still have that same heart, but to cloak it with good works. To do all sorts of external things that make it look like you love God, but you're trusting in all those things. You're trusting in the fact that you don't cuss anymore, you don't drink anymore, you're nice to people, you donate to causes, you give to the church, It's possible to cloak that heart up with your good works. The problem is, is that won't save you. And that's not the heart of a father. You see, this older son is showing who he really is underneath. His lack of compassion at this moment shows that he is not perfect as his heavenly father is perfect. But also notice what his heart is. He's angry with his father, but he has the heart of a slave Look what he says. I served you. I slaved for you. I never disobeyed you. I did the work. I want my wages. I want my reward. In other words, what he's kind of saying is treat me like a hired worker. And you know what? I deserve it. It is so, so easy to be lost in our self righteousness. So, so easy. Though the younger sin was lost, in, though the younger son was lost in sin, the older son is lost in his service. Both were lost. Both were far from the father. They had the same heart, the same problem. It was just manifested in two different ways. What does the father say to those like you and me who so often find ourselves perhaps, in the role of the, the older brother as well? Well, first of all, In his amazing kindness, he comes to us, too. Notice what happens. The older brother, in verse 28, is angry, refuses to go in, but what does his father do? Okay, I'll come out to you. Even for self-righteous people like me and you, who still have a tendency, we have to repent of this every day, to trust our own righteousness, our own good feelings, our own good intentions, our own good emotions, We have to repent of that. Even for people like you and me, he comes out for us. He comes out. He doesn't let us stay outside when we refuse to come to the party. And then he comes and he entreats him. Literally, he's begging him, please, come to the party. Come celebrate. Come to the feast. You see, this is the wonderful thing about Christianity. Christianity is not boring, and it's not sad, and it's not dry. It's a party. It's a celebration for those who were dead are now alive. Those who were lost are now found. Come in to the party. In other words, what he's trying to get his son to remember is this. Listen, son, let go of your righteousness. You're clinging on to it. Let go of your service. Let go of thinking that you deserve blessing because of what you've done. Let go of your good works. Let go of the the many years, as he reminds his father, for many years I've served you. Let go of all those things. Let go of your feelings. Let go of your sorrow. Let go of everything. And receive the treasure that is Jesus Christ. Receive my love in your heart. Freely given. The father lovingly reminds you and me Of what it means to be a son and this is so important for you and me as church people in response to the harsh words of his older son because you and i if we're not careful um, we can be like jonah you remember jonah he had the heart of the older brother and you know what he said about the ninevites whenever they started repenting he was angry at who god i knew that if i started preaching you would be kind to them that's exactly why I didn't want to go do this. Because I knew, I knew you're a kind father, I know you're compassionate, and I knew you'd welcome these dirty Ninevites back into your arms. That's why I didn't want to go do this. He's angry at the end, isn't he? What Jonah forgot and what you and I so often forget is the tenderness that the father shows. He says, son, in other words, child. It's wonderful, right? We address him harshly in our anger. He doesn't respond in kind. He says, child, listen, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. Being a son, first and foremost, is simply about being with the Father. If you're in for Christianity before, because of what you can get out of it, then you've missed the point of Christianity It is possible to love the blessings that God gives, but to not love the blesser who gives them. And here this son was saying, I want my wages, but I really don't care about you, Dad. And it is so easy, isn't it, in church life to forget that the reason we do all this stuff is not to buy God's love and favor. It's simply to be with the Father, So he's reminding this son that in accepting your brother, I am not rejecting you. But secondly, also he says, all that is mine is yours. You're not losing one thing. God gives to us infinite grace, and he gives it to every single one who comes. All that I have is yours. And then he reminds him lastly in verse 32, it was fitting to celebrate. It was necessary. We have to celebrate. How could we not celebrate And be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The wonderful story is that the older brother eventually was converted. The older brother here is pictured especially as the Pharisees. And who was a Pharisee of Pharisees but the Apostle Paul, who was just like the older brother, And he looked at all these Christians and all these people getting saved and thought, you know what? They don't take God seriously like I do. They don't love him like I do. I obey the law. I do everything right. I am faithful to God. But what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter three, verses seven and eight, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In closing today, I just want to, as you see the fact the Father is seeking, (laughs) he's seeking the tax collectors and the sinners, but he's also seeking the Pharisees who are self-righteous. And so everybody in this room, I think, I I don't know about you, but I find myself in both categories because sometimes I'm like the prodigal and I've sinned and I'm brokenhearted and I come back to God and I wonder, will he take me back? But then whenever I feel kind of good about myself, then I look at everybody else and say, why don't they get their acts together? But God calls both of those sons to himself and he runs to them. So I've come today to give you an invitation to the party to call you to the celebration, to come and enjoy and feast on the goodness of God. The Father is seeking you. He seeks you again and again and again because if you're like me, I experience being a prodigal every day. I go away, I sin, and I have to come back. The next day, I go away, I sin, and I have to come back. And every day, I experience being the older brother because I look at everybody else and say, I don't struggle with that. Why do they? They need to grow up in the Lord. But do you know what? The Lord loves us, and he calls us both into his arms. Because his love endures forever. And he loves the world so much that he gave his own son for us. He didn't kill the fattened calf. He sacrificed the lamb of God who takes away the sins of Of the world and every time you come to the father he runs to you he clothes you with the robe of his righteousness he puts the ring upon your finger he heals you of all of your wounds and he smothers you with kisses and with his embrace so that every single time you come to him you find welcome come and welcome to the party And look to Christ, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the invitation to come to the party and for the fact that you come running to us, whether we are being self righteous or sinful, whether we think we have performed the law or whether we know we haven't. You call all of us away from our sins. And from ourself to find everything we need in Jesus Christ, and I pray that each of us would come to the party again, and that over the over the doors of our church, which is your church, would be inscribed as it were, "This church receives sinners," and that every single one of us would not be ashamed to walk through that door, because each of us are unworthy but each of us are welcome. For Christ's sake, amen.